Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 150 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is support for families after workplace tragedy. Workplace tragedy means that someone at work has been killed or seriously injured. The serious injury can seriously harm the worker's physical health or mental health or both. Workers killed or seriously harmed include workers working in all types of industries, large and small, workers working for all types of businesses, large and small, workers working for themselves, and workers who are citizens, temporary residents, or new immigrants. When someone has been killed or has been seriously harmed, the worker's family is seriously harmed too, and in so many ways. And so, families of workers killed or seriously harmed need support, which is why our topic today, support for families after workplace tragedy, is so important to so many families and family caregivers. Now, to talk about support for families after workplace tragedy, our guests are Shirley Hickman and Fran DeFilippis. First of all, Shirley, in 2002, she founded Threads of Life, a work Workplace Tragedy Family Support Association. She's now Executive Director and Family Program Manager. And a traumatic workplace tragedy had forever changed her life and her family's lives. In 2007, she received the YMCA of London's Women of Excellence Award for Community Volunteerism and Humanity. In 2008, she became the third recipient of the IAPA CME Health and Safety Leadership Award, which recognizes outstanding individuals who have contributed to innovation in and advancement of health and safety in the workplace and the community. And in 2009, she presented at the International Labor Organization's World for safety and health, and that was in Geneva, Switzerland, and she also presented to the 17th World Congress on Health and Safety. Now, Fran was the owner and operator of Imprint Business Printing Center, Inc., in Toronto, Canada. In 2000, she sold the business to her largest competitor. In 2001, After the birth of her second child, she became a chocolatier and started a part-time truffle company to keep her business skills polished. 
She was happily settling into young parenthood with two children, Kirsten and Marcus, when a workplace tragedy suddenly struck. Many things forever changed for her life and her family's lives. Currently, she's a student studying for her degree in child development, and she volunteers at Hospice King Aurora and is also a volunteer for Threads of Life and is a member of its Speakers Bureau. So welcome to the show, Shirley and Fran. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to start with you, Shirley, first of all. (laughs) Please tell us more about your experience Mm -hmm. with workplace tragedy and your work as Executive Director of Threads of Life. So March to the 23rd, 1996, uh, forever changed our family. Our son, uh, Tim, 20 years old, uh, left home in the morning to work in an arena, and there was an explosion in the arena, and Tim um, had uh, sustained uh, several injuries that eventually were, um, took his life 10 days later. So initially, we were supported by our friends and the community, our church, guiding our neighborhood. But as time went by, our friends, their lives moved forward, and uh, but we didn't know how to move forward. And we didn't know. It was like we were frozen in time. We didn't know where to turn for information. We didn't know who was going to tell us about what had gone wrong that day that caused Tim to die. We didn't um, understand what the WSIB was or the Workers' Compensation Board, the Ministry of Labor, who was going to investigate. We really couldn't wrap our heads around any of those things, and it just all seemed so wrong. And, and where were the other families that were living with this kind of tragedy? And we couldn't find them, and day by day and month by month went by, and... Over time, things started to change. I think we started to wake up, and one day I realized I had to do something that was going to be productive and positive with our love for Tim, and I didn't really know what that was going to be. But one by one, families started reaching out to me, and the health and safety associations in Ontario started reaching out, and the ministry, and everyone was committed to making a change to ensure that young workers came home safely at the end of the day. And uh, our family made a commitment that as long as things were going to be productive and positive, that we would commit to working with organizations and government on those things. And so, one by one, little by little, Threads of Life came to be. We'll come back to some parts of that because I'd like you to expand on them. But let me ask Fran now, same question really. Please tell us more about your experience with work, workplace tragedy and your work as a volunteer with Threads of Life. Yeah, unfortunately, my story is similar. It was a fatality. My husband was killed on April 26, 2002. Um, it was a bright Friday afternoon. I remember it very clearly. He was on the 16th floor of a luxury condominium building in Toronto, and um, three workers went into the elevator shaft to brace a wall. Now, that's just a typical procedure on any construction site. However, the wall broke, the concrete fell. Uh, One of the workers fortunately jumped to safety, but Naz and Mark, his assistant, plunged 18 floors to the parking lot garage. After the investigation, we revealed um, that Naz, who was a field engineer, 
and Mark, his assistant, were actually on the 16th floor just marking um, curbs, which is just a construction thing that they do um, when they were asked by a coworker for some help. So it was really unknown to them that they were walking onto safety platforms that were built by rotted two by fours, and the wall they were bracing was built with inadequate fasteners. And of course, just like Shirley, this was devastating for our family. I had two young children. Marcus was only 18 months old, and Kirsten was four, just turning four. I became involved with Shirley. I met Shirley through WSIB. She spoke of all the um, trials and tribulations that you need to go through. You've got uh, Ministry of Labor. You've got WSIB. You've got um, your grieving process, the funeral arrangements. And when I met Shirley at WSIB, she talked about this organization um, that advocated for workplace safety. And when I heard those words, I thought to myself, this is a place where I can take my pain and I can perhaps do something positive with it in light of the tragedy that's taken place. So she shed a lot of light on how I was going to heal. Thank you. I'm going to ask you both more about this, but let me go now to Shirley again. Please tell us about the mission and vision of Threads of Life. And the and do you know of any related organizations in the US of A? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Threads of Life, uh, we believe that we will lead and inspire a culture shift, as a result of which work-related injuries, illnesses, and death become morally, socially, and economically unacceptable. And that's only going to be achieved by working with uh, national and community uh, businesses, organizations, and individuals <clears throat> Sorry, who believe that, um, that they also will make a difference with that vision. And while those uh, partners are uh, important to Threads of Life, our primary mission, our primary purpose for being was to provide um, families with a community of support. And we do that by the Volunteer Family Guide Program and our valuable volunteers who have taken training on uh, how to enhance their own listening skills so that they can listen to others. At the same time, they have to ensure that they can care for themselves. For me, that's probably the most important piece with our volunteers is that um, they care for themselves. We hear, they, they hear that a lot. Fran can tell you that. Mm -hmm. Right. um, I'm going to just stop you there because time is always a problem on programs like this. We'll come back to you, Shirley. But I just meanwhile want to ask the, um, Fran, basically the the question about the peer support assistance for families um, that have been affected by a workplace tragedy that you provide. The first family forum was back in 2004, and that's where I met many individuals who were affected by workplace uh, tragedies in one way or another. And um, by meeting these people, they were family volunteer guides at the time. One woman in specific was Elizabeth, and she took the time to talk to me about my experience, and she was also a widow uh, whose husband was killed in a work-related tragedy. And she took the time to walk with me on my journey. Um, For me, she was pivotal in guiding me through inquest procedures, 
um, something that I knew nothing about, but she had experienced it. So she gave me the tools I needed to empower myself um, in order to be an active participant in the procedure. And she just gave me a foundation, um, a foundation that I could move forward I'm trying to be part of the process, which became a, a really important part of my healing process. So I became involved because I was helped in that way and decided to take the um, family volunteer guide uh, training and became one as well. So you were both drawing on your tragic experience by reaching out and reaching forward and also reaching to others who had been through or were going through the same kind of things you were going through. And that, if I must just, I just want to say this to both of you, that's a very powerful story. And it's the story of people who want to put effort into making sure that something terrible hasn't, has benefits to someone even if it's not the particular family or the individual who was involved in the tragedy. Now, we do have to go into the break now because uh, this is where we have to pay our rent. And so this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Shirley Hickman and Fran de Philippis. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Um, please stay with us. We're coming back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Adoption changes a family forever, for the adopters as well as the adoptees. There are many adjustments that need to be made, from lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption, We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. What are the benefits to combining modern science with ancient healing practices? For the answers, you'll want to tune in to Frame of Mind with your host, Terry Sue. Each week, our program focuses on ways to live more holistically. By developing new ways of looking at our world, we can find ways to foster harmony and peace for the good of mankind and our planet. If we learn to live and think healthier, we begin to explore and focus on our strengths. Tune into Frame of Mind, Saturdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on 7th Wave Network. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Shirley Hickman and Fran DeFilippis. Our topic is support for families after workplace tragedy. 
Now let's talk about the consequences, support needs and challenges experienced by families and family caregivers following a workplace tragedy. Fran, to you first, please tell us about the experiences of families and family caregivers following a workplace tragedy. Well, I think the only way I can uh, describe it is real chaos. Um, It is chaotic. Your loved one goes to work and then they don't come home. And in some circumstances, you find out through media that something tragic has happened to them. Um, um, Threads of life, um, and for me in particular, Shirley and Elizabeth, they were safe places uh, for me to expose the pain. Um, when workplace tragedy takes place, um, there's often, as I mentioned, media attention, and there's so many decisions to be made. It's, uh, it's very overwhelming. Um, the grief itself is overwhelming, but then you have to go through, as I mentioned before, funeral rituals. You have to, for my uh, circumstances, I had to tend to my children, and waking up in the morning was just very hard to do. Um, so... For me, it was very public, and you could hear it on the radio every time you turned the radio on or the TV on. It was a constant reminder, but there was a numbness around it also. Um, It was almost not real. So when I work with families, I understand that, and uh, there seems to be a common theme when we're working with families that the family members and all your support system that has never experienced a workplace tragedy wants you to get over it, wants you to get through it, wants you not to be sad anymore. And I'll tell you that grieving is hard work, and uh, we as humans are built to accept loss, but we have to. We have to go through it, and today's society doesn't allow us to do that. But I think Threads of Life gives us a safe place to do that. And uh, I am grateful, and I know that many people are grateful to have Threads of Life. The very word term, the very title, Threads of Life, um, has strong resonances. So, Shelley, please tell us about more about workplace tragedies and give us some examples um, that illustrate what Fran has been saying and also this concept of threads of life. Shirley? Mm-hmm. So, I think when, uh, the, so the research, the research would show us that if family members aren't provided with adequate support, that they often turn to negative behaviors to support themselves. They turn to um, drugs, alcohol, promiscuous behaviors, uh, things that they wouldn't um, normally do. And that's whether you're a caregiver for families who are living with the outcome of a life-altering injury or occupational disease or fatality. It's just because families aren't equipped and society isn't equipped to help you deal with the unknown. And, um, you know, and when you suffer a tragedy, you're barely, as friends said, you're barely able to get out of bed and cope on yourself, on your own. And I hear repetitively from parents that they don't know how to take care of their other children. Everyone's trying to be strong in the family for everybody else, but nobody knows how to care for each other. And so what happens is, and and I can use our own personal example, uh, Tim had an older brother, Michael, and, you know, for years 
we had this faith when we would get together that things were okay. Things were okay for Dad and I. Things were okay for him. And we seemed to protect each other. And then one day, he started talking about what it was like when Tim died and and uh, his friends that had been there for him and how they had protected him from this big black hole that he thought he was going to be swallowed up with. And that's the only way he could describe... Um, that's the only language that he had to describe what he felt at that time. And that was years later. And for for me and his dad to hear that many years later, it was like, oh my God, we couldn't, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't help him then and we couldn't help him there because each of us have to go that journey of grief by ourselves. So you have all these people around you that are very well-meaning, but they, they can't help you. So how did Threads of Life get got its name? And it was like, well, one day, you know, we were brainstorming a group of us about how we were going to name this organization. And I was looking at the Young Worker Life Quilt. And if uh, anyone wants to, they can go on the website and uh, on the Internet and see the Young Worker Life Quilt. And the images that are on there of 100 children who have died in the workplace. And I thought to myself, if you took the threads that are in that quilt and one by one those threads have no meaning and they have no message and they can't stand up by themselves but when you put all those threads together look at the image that you have but look at the number of stories that you have Tim's story doesn't just belong to our family it belongs to his friends and their acquaintances and the people that he worked with the people he went to school with and the people in our community and it has far-reaching implications. But the picture comes together very, very strong. And that's, I think, what Threads of Life is. So when people come together to care for each other, they, they become stronger. I'm going to Fran now and ask you to say what the supports are that families and fa- family caregivers receive from employers, from insurance companies, from workers' compensation, from healthcare and other systems. What are those supports? Well, from personal experience um, and from most cases of people that we've supported, the employer's um, support is pretty limited, unfortunately. Um, They usually are trying to um, stay out of the limelight. Um, In my personal case, you know, the owners of the company never looked me in the eye or to even tell me that they'd make sure this never happened again. They never showed up at the inquest. Um, they never in, tried to contact me to support my family or see how we were. And uh, supporting other families, they paint the same picture with these experiences. Um, I recently supported a woman at her husband's inquest, and one of the owners could not look her in the eye. She wanted to speak to him, and he just walked away. He couldn't. He couldn't do it. So it's uh, the employers is very limited. Um, from my knowledge, healthcare is very limited also. And uh, WSIB here in Ontario has a crisis inter- interventionist um, who helps you through the enormous amount of paperwork um, and has additional support for victims. But of workplace tragedy, um, and there is some financial compensation from WSIB, but I would say that the hugest support system for um, 
victims of workplace tragedies um, would have to be threads of life. Um, I mean, Shirley could speak more to the partnerships that we have with different organizations that collaborate for support, but um, when you go to Threads of Life or go to a family forum, you feel the warmth, you can feel the support around you, and it's, you know, it's indescribable, really, when you walk in that room and you can speak anything that you want to speak, you can talk about your tragedy, and you can feel the warmth around you that people understand and people care, so... When you talk about support and you talk about um, workplace tragedies, the immediately it pops into my head is threads of life. And um, if you want to, Shirley said something recently to me, if you want to no longer be a victim and you want to become a survivor, um, threads of life will help you do that. And so that's what I think the largest support for um, victims that turn to survivors of workplace tragedies. Shirley, let's follow up on what Franz just said by asking you this. Please say more about the challenges that families and family caregivers encounter in accessing support from insurance, workers' compensation, employers, healthcare, and other systems. Uh, just, just elaborate on those challenges for us, please, Shirley. So, in the first place, right, families don't even know what the systems are or who's going to provide care. You just, you're just functioning. Um, I think then a friend has it exactly right. I've heard, I have heard stories of uh, families calling and, and uh, being bogged down with the paperwork. They hardly know where to turn. They hardly know who, they don't believe that they're being treated fairly by the uh, workers' compensation boards. They all have doubts about that. Even, even though they, they may be cared for properly, we still, we doubt, uh, many people doubt uh, government systems. But people also have challenges with the insurance companies that they paid personal insurance premiums into for years. And I have calls from widows who say, I can't get the personal insurance until after the inquest is finished, and they won't accept a death certificate because the coroner won't release the autopsy until after the legal system is finished, and it's like, you just think, okay, so the person has paid life insurance, and now you can't claim because the person is dead, but you're going to have to wait for four years until after this legal system, and there's, there's a lot of challenges. Then the families that are living with the life-altering injuries, their challenges are huge. Occupational disease, those families are dealing with the day-to-day -day challenges of the health care system, waiting, and, waiting for appointments, uh, waiting to see the next specialist, uh, waiting to see the next um, insurance person. Their life has become full of appointments. Their life has to change because... Somebody has to drive them to those appointments, get them to those appointments. So very challenging. The employer, most of the time, you're on your own. Uh, there are very few employers uh, that actually have called and said, how can I support the family? They're far between and unique, and thank goodness there are a few that are calling. So maybe they'll keep spreading that good word. Now, I want to just put back to you something that I've has come to me listening to you. And that is that families 
go through the grieving process and there's no getting around that they that's something that's essential and that's needed and that those of us who aren't familiar with the what workplace tragedy actually amounts to sometimes can be less than completely helpful now it's the point i want to make to you is that listening to you i'm thinking that what threads of life is also doing is protecting families from becoming a tragedy themselves, another tragedy, to pile tragedy on tragedy. I would hope now, so. Yeah. Shirley, first, do you agree with me on that? I, I do. I certainly, uh, yeah, I think you've, I think you've uh, solidified that one really well. That's quite succinct. Fran, what's your feeling about it? Yeah, I, I I agree with that also. I think it really does give you a place to put your pain so that you can uh, try and do something productive rather than um, become destructive, really. Because the things that you were, you've both been talking about, the way in which the family can deteriorate, the way in which things can go seriously wrong, means, again, and I'm repeating the Point that they become a tragedy, but it also points to exactly what you're doing and trying to do and working hard to do, which is to guide and steer them away from that tragedy. Now, let me ask you, you know, well-meaning people, and there are many, many well-meaning people who try to help, and if they're not successful, it isn't because they didn't try. What are the quick tips that you would give to um amateurs, people, you know, who haven't been through the experience you've been, what are the sort of words, just quickly, both of you, starting with Fran and then Shirley, what would you say? Well, I think the one thing that we have to remember is each person's journey in grief is very unique. Um, As a support, you're not there to fix anyone and you're not there to tell them how to grieve. You're there to support them in the way they need their support, and that just might be sitting in silence. Um, it might be just um, being a listening board. It might be um, calling every once in a while just to go out for a coffee if they're up to it. And I think that it's important to remember you're not there to fix them. You're just there to be there with them and allow them to grieve at their pace. Um, it's not a race. And I think you grieve forever, and your grief evolves, and you have to respect that. Shirley? Well, so certainly Fran's got it right. Uh, grief, grief will be with us and our family forever. Um, it's, a, it's a journey. So I think that one of the values that uh, Threads of Life has and when families reach us is to know that it's okay again, that, you know, someday I'll be able to laugh again and... and and um, and I can be productive again. I think that we give families that kind of hope. We also let them know, right, that you know you, you're mourning today in that in that terrible, terrible pain. It will get better, all on its own, all all on its own time. But if you work with that, you can you can get to a point where you can companion with grief, because. You know, we'll miss Tim till the day we die, and his brother will miss him till the day he dies. And our grandchildren only know Tim through the stories we tell. So that grief journey doesn't have an end. But how we deal with it 
is different each and every day and each and every year. Going to ask Fran this question, and it arises from what Shirley was just saying, and that is this notion of hope. Uh, It must be very hard, you know, in the immediate days and weeks after a tragedy to even use the word hope. Um, Fran, what do you say? What's your sense of how to use that word hope in those kinds of circumstances? Well, I think um, that in the early days, that hope um, doesn't appear easily. I think we're masked with grief and shock, and you really don't see any hope. Um, For myself, my hope or my reason to uh, move on would be my children um, as they laid in bed with me every morning because I didn't want to get out of bed. And what I realized as I watched my children every morning come into my bed and lay with me was that by laying there, I wasn't really doing anything to help them. They knew I was sad. They knew that things were not good. They were very, very young, so even the thought of death didn't make any sense to them. They, they were not at the developmental level to understand it. But my hope appeared um, with my mother, who stood by me day by day, who was there to help me. And I think the people, we have faith in people. And when we um, connect that with threads of life, Shirley had had made a valid point in terms of when, in the beginning, when I saw people like Shirley and Elizabeth who had gone through tragedy and were able to do something positive, the hope, um, I guess there was light and hope there that I too could perhaps get to that place. And with support, I think I have gotten to that place. And uh, that I, I will always be grateful for. So, Shirley, just to put something to you quickly, and that is, seems to me then that threads of life, one of the threads, or one of the places that the threads lead to, is hope. Is that right? That's fair. Yes, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Hope yeah. and so caring for one another and uh, leading to hope for a better future for the family, but also for society. Yeah. And the very fact that of a feeling that there is a future uh, is in itself a hope, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, once again, um, the, it is time for us to take a short break, and that's what we'll do now. This is uh, Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Shirley Hickman and Fran DeFilippis. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up-close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. 
Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Shirley Hickman and Fran DeFilippis. Our topic is support for families after workplace tragedy. Now, let's talk about more about the threads of life and the support that it provides for families after the tragedy and the support that threads of life itself relies on. So, Fran, I want you to give us a more detailed picture, without mentioning any names or anything of that nature, of the families and family caregivers you work for. Give us that picture. Fran? Well, as a a volunteer family guide, um, I encourage families to go through all kinds of processes. Um, there's one in particular that seems to affect most families, and it's uh, it's during sentencing. Um, the ministry goes through an investigative process. They have a year for that. And they usually, um, they're not very, um, what's the word I want to use? They're not very supportive in contacting um, the families and letting them know what's going on, but they do have the rights. The families have the rights. So I try and encourage families if they want to, to call and find out information. Um, when I was going through the process, I understood that um, I was able to write a victim's impact statement and I went forward and did that. I, I had no idea, but Shirley and Elizabeth told me that I had that right. So I pass that information on to families um, and to give them opportunity to express what has happened to them and how it's affected them, and that is healing, to go through that process. It's very difficult to write, but it's very uh, healing for them to go through. Um, when I think of all the families, I know that each family is very unique, um, and their underlying pain of loss is going to move with them. There are so many little things that happen that um, families share with you, like going grocery shopping and, and you know and seeing the chip chips ahoy and starting to cry in the middle of the grocery store. Those are the types of things that we share as families and are acceptable um, to share as families. When you try and tell someone else that, they think you're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's very, very different. I think families um, find it difficult to sometimes reach out to each other 
because they're all trying to support each other. So if we're able to, as um, guides, to help them, um, then we can perhaps help the whole family. And, and really, it is difficult to, to describe in words. Um, I don't know. When you, when you get to meet families and talk to them, um, it's, a, it's an underlying message of acceptance and strength and courage that uh, you can connect even when you're not speaking. And for me, it gives me a big faith in people and hopefully that they have faith in us that, you know, together that we will get through this. Fran, do you tell, when you're with the family, do you share your own story with the family? Um, in the beginning, as a family, as a volunteer family guide, it's our primary reason that we're with them is for them, it gives them opportunities to tell their stories. Our stories will emerge as our relationship emerges. So we do share information about our stories, but the focus is not on us. Our fo the focus is on who we're supporting and the ability for them to continue to tell their story because as they tell their story more and more, it assimilates into their lives and it's it becomes part of who they are and it's very, the narrative of your story is very, very important. So primarily it is um, the families that we're supporting that we want them to do more of the talking, but as the relationship evolves, we can connect our experiences that way, yes. Right. Shirley, turning the question round now, Threads of Life helps families. What help does Threads of Life rely on, and how pe how can people help you? Mm. Well, uh, organizations can help us, businesses can help us. We certainly um, we need help financially, so we have, as a charity, we have no means to support ourselves. Um, so in order to support families, we need organizations, employers, um, that are willing to step forward and and uh, and and support us. So they can do that in a variety of ways. Some employers have golf tournaments and donate proceeds to us. Um, so financially, and then spreading the awareness of Threads of Life. So um, letting families know about Threads of Life. We have a fundraising event each spring called Steps for Life. And it's very significant in the health and safety world. It's grown in the last seven years. It's grown across the country. Last year in, in, uh, two, in 2012, over 4,400 Canadians walked in every province and territory of this country and, and promoted workplace safety. But that also supports the family. So it creates awareness. It supports the families. And that's going to be part of prevention. And it brings you all together in that sense of almost an extended family, doesn't it? The, the people are helping because they realize that the work you're doing is helping families where, who knows, they could have been uh, a part of a workplace tragedy. Um, the statistics are such that you never know. And therefore, that sense of helping others as part of life is, is really very important, a very important stimulus for many people. Now, I'm beginning to get the sense now that this is very much 
a way of life for you both in what you're doing. You believe in what you're doing and you feel that others um, benefit from what you're doing and therefore you're drawing other people into supporting you by contributing money and things like that. Do you also, and this is for you, Shirley, do you also invite people, more people like Fran, to become volunteers or have you enough of those? Oh, Threads of Life will always need more volunteers. We uh, have volunteer family guide training each year, and we have speaker bureau training each year. And speaker bureau training is where we um, equip family members to put their story, their very unique story, into a into um, into a format that they can take it to schools and workplaces and conferences and share that um, story. Not because not because it's a sad and pity me story, but because this is a true story, and I want to prevent it from happening to somebody else. So here's what happened. Here's who the person was in my life. This is what they mean, meant to me, mean to me now, and, uh, and I want you to work safely. And so it's always got a call to action at the end. And, uh, those, and those personal stories are a powerful message in the prevention system. Right. Just a quick one for you, Fran. Um, you're, a, you're a student now. I don't know how far you are on your program, but could you ever see colleges and universities offering training programs based on the things that Threads of Life have learned, the things that you teach, the training that you give? Could you ever see that happening? Um, I would like to see that happen. I think that uh, listening is a skill that can be applied to, to anything, really. Um, and I don't think in this society we'd know how to listen well, actually. Um, and so that would be definitely a skill they can use. In terms of workplace safety, um, I also believe that workplace safety should be somewhere in the colleges or universities. Um, they have a role. Everyone's going to go out and work. Everyone's going to be part of uh, society and working in one place or another. Um, but even as, as I picture it, as I'm speaking, I picture Threads of Life as even perhaps partaking in, in that on some entry level that will educate because we know that education gives you power. And if you can educate, then you can give them power to either be safer, power to be good listeners, um, and power to take care of themselves and others too. Good. Now, again, it's the break time. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Shirley Hickman and Fran de Philippis. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you a homeowner who's trying to save on energy bills and go green at the same time? Tune into Energy Saving in the Home. Brought to you by 521 Compressor Saver and Home Energy Consultants with host Gary Parr and Dennis Seltzer. They have saved homeowners just like you as much as 65% on energy bills through energy efficiency practices. You'll learn about conservation, products, and services to reduce energy consumption and save you money. Be sure to listen to Energy Saving in the Home, live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration 
A Life of Passion and Purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. 